the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Yeah, it's a bit cold out there. Um, you guys better make sure you have your coats on and have your gloves on and um, warm cup of tea, um, cup of coffee, just hot water, if you will, and try to avoid getting sick again. Um, we've had this period of time over the last couple of months where where colds have taken hold of us and have lingered at length for weeks and sometimes months. So we want to be very careful in this presently cold and rainy season to uh, to take care of ourselves and to get our rest. And, uh, and most importantly, continue to think appropriately, think right, think soundly, think um, well, think biblically. Today, I want to spend some time with you Working through logic, or rather the logos, thinking God's thoughts after him, and that in some very critical areas. So, if you will, the number is one 888 Your host, Jesse Gistan, with you in the house, and glad to be with you. Love to talk to you about just some basic, overall happy stuff, but... Um, <clears throat> Uh, we're not in a real happy time, per se. I, I have to admit that um, you and I are in some very, very challenging uh, seasons right now, particularly in the area of uh, of how to determine what truth is. Uh, truth from reality, if you will. Um, what is it? Um, your Bible says, and my Bible says, if we continue in God's word, remain under it, stay in it, depend upon it, delve into it, allow it to permeate our mind and our heart, be informed by it, and thus transformed by it, and then also reformed by the word of God, then we will know the truth. We will know that which corresponds with reality, and we will know it at its highest level, and that would be theologically speaking. Um, and therefore, we won't be subject to the lie because there are only two realities in the world are two dimensions of a perception. And that is the truth and the lie. And that's how your Bible speaks of it. Your Bible warns us in Second Thessalonians chapter uh, two. It warns us about a, a culture of people who would buy into a lie. In fact, this is what Paul said in chapter two of Second Thessalonians. He said, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all may be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
Paul is warning the church at that time about the prevailing apostasy that would occur in the first century A.D., but it also is making application throughout the whole gospel age, even to this hour, that over the cumulative uh, decades and centuries and millenniums, there would be a relentless attack against the truth. And everyone who does not love the truth will succumb to the lie. Now, let me tell you what a lie is biblically so that you have a groundwork on the, um, the dichotomy between truth and lies. Truth is that which corresponds to reality according to God. God is truth. The Bible's clear about that. The Father is truth. The Son is truth. And the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. Our Bible is called what? The word of truth. And therefore, we have a a, a premise and and basis for uh, what we call uh, that which corresponds to reality or the analogy of reality, the analogy of truth, um, because we have a testimony given to us by God by which we can determine and and measure and assess and and deal with and address and affirm and defend the truth. Now, let me tell you what a lie is briefly. A lie is anything. Now, I want you to get this because this is going to lead us into our uh, political, social, theological, philosophical discussion today. Very relevant. A lie is anything that does not correspond to the truth it is supposed to represent. That's good. A lie is anything that does not correspond to the truth of that for which it is supposed to represent. This is why Paul said out of the Psalms, let God be true and every man a liar. Why are men, all men liars? Because we don't live up to the truth. We correspond to be God made you and I in the Imago Dei, in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, may he them male and female created he them in the image of God. That's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. You know that. You know your Bible. What that means is you and I should be reflecting the nature of God, the character of God, the attributes of God that are communicated to us by God, not those incommunicable attributes, not those things that pertain to his immutable, uh, distinct aseity. We don't, we don't, we're not, we're not eternal. We're not uh, omniscient. We're not omnipotent. We're not everywhere present, but we do have reflections of God's communicable attributes in terms of, uh, of moral and ethical uh, qualities, the capacity to reason, to be able to understand the principles of oughtness, what ought to be versus what ought not to be. We have the capacity for conscience to be able to maintain the framework of God's law in our heart, according to Romans 2 and many other places in the scriptures, which makes us distinctly different than the animals. We have a higher moral ethical framework that corresponds to the nature of God, and therefore God has invested mankind with qualities and gifts and talents that are designed to reflect the truth according to God. Would you agree with that? That's Psalms 8, Psalms 19, many other Psalms, many other portions of scripture. Man is created in the image of God. But today we have a massive lie taking place, massive, massive lie taking place. And I wouldn't even be talking about it if I didn't believe with all my heart that at present, this lie is strategically penetrating into the family, just as it did with Adam and Eve, this lie. 
And this lie that's penetrating into the family, as it did with Adam and Eve, is designed to distort reality. Now, y'all know the Genesis narrative of chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. A talking snake manipulated the first mother into believing she could be something that she was not and telling her she should pursue something she already had. That was the fundamental lie that came in through the serpent who himself came in the form of a lie for he is an angel and not a snake. And therefore the, the, uh, the, the, the ethereal phantom of a dysphoria of physical manifestation is taking place of which Eve did not fully capture being confronted with an animal that talked and spake just like she did. She never heard that before. She never heard an animal with a human voice having the capacity to reason and dialogue and debate, uh, 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 nonetheless, at a high theological level. She was mesmerized. She was overwhelmed. She was taken in by the talking snake. She did not understand that what she was dealing with is the confusion of Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15 and 16, which I'm going to use as my primer text uh, here in a moment to establish why I want to talk to you. Because if you don't get this, you're going to succumb too to what's prevailing all over the world, prevailing everywhere in our world. And that is a big fat lie around what it means to be human. Prevailing everywhere today in colleges, uh, in the media, entertainment industry, uh, uh, music industry, uh, educational departments, everywhere. And it's almost going to be uh, given with punitive consequences if we don't accept what's being said by our culture. And that is that a man or a woman is only what they are in terms of their gender, according to what they think and feel and not according to what is factually so. This matter is going to be so pervasive, so huge, so prevailing, so so uh, ubiquitous that if the believer is not grounded in how to think, uh, not clear on how to be objective and, and deal with propositions rationally and work through them logically and understand the difference between contradictions and coherent thought, the believer will be deceived or at least threatened, if you will. So when the Apostle Paul said, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all may be damned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, he was talking about men and women who reject biblical truth, biblical revelation, starting with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a lie in the Old Testament Actually, corresponding with the lie of the New Testament, I'm in Revelation chapter 21 now, this time, where uh, John says, and uh, those who are fearful, Revelation 21.8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. Now John is using Old Testament, Old Covenant uh, language, sacerdotal language. This would be the toiva of the Old Testament, where God laid out abominable things. John's using that in the book of Revelation. Why? Because Old Testament and New Testament comes from the same God. And his moral laws, his ethical principles do not change. He says, everyone that is fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, watch this, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, now here it is, and all liars shall have their part 
in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you notice that John says included among the fearful and unbelieving, that society of people who will not believe the gospel, who can be actually hoodwinked by the masses, controlled by consensus, by moral majority, even if it's wrong. That's the fearful and unbelieving. And then the abominable, that's people who practice things that are contrary to God's law and the murderer and the whoremonger. And Christ said, if you if, if you hate your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. And whoremonger, if you lust after a woman in your heart, we're in trouble, aren't we? The sorcerer is always that person that uses deception and uses uh, uh, demonic mediums by which he brings men and women into a lie. Like Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts chapter 9, chapter 8. But watch this, because this is where we're going in our study today. He says, idolaters and all liars. Now, I want to conflate those two terms because they ne- they're necessary for you to understand where we're going. What is an idolater? Well, he's a lie. What is an idol? It's a false image misrepresenting something that should be accurately represented. If a man says that he is God, he's a liar. And he's also an idolater because he's making himself out to be a deity when in fact he's nothing but a man. If we say that we are a male when in fact we are a woman, we are making ourselves into a liar because in fact we are a woman, not a man. And vice versa, right? If I say that I am a a, a man and yet I'm a woman— I am now a liar. I am I am now taking the ultimate image bearer of God and, and, and shaping it and informing it and reforming it and morphing it into something that does not correspond with the truth. Y'all get that? Do you get that? And so the book of Revelation calls uh, idolaters liars because they worship that which is false, doesn't correspond to the nature and character of God. And and now I want to give you the Old Testament uh, fundamental text by which our whole discussion and debate hinges. And here is the argument of God in the mouth of Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 16. Now, this is really fulfilled in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with Jesus, because when Jesus came on the scene, the rulers of the church were the very idolaters and liars that we are talking about in Revelation 21. This text in Isaiah chapter 29 is fulfilled in Matthews 15. And then it's also fulfilled in the book of Acts. It's quoted by Paul in the 28th chapter when Paul said, the Jews will reject the gospel as it has been well spoken of. A marvelous work has been done among you, even a marvelous work and a wonder. And yet for all this, you will not believe it because the prudent shall have their understanding darkened and obscured. Well, what is it? What is it? What is it that they do? Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. That is what they want to do. And their works are in the dark. And they say, who sees us and who knows us? Do you know what they just did? They deny God his omniscience. They deny God his omnipresence. They thought that they could hide from God. See? Now, here's a verse that's going to actually establish our discourse for the next hour and 50 minutes. Surely you're turning things upside down 
shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Isaiah says by the Spirit of God that mankind, uh, contextually the Jews, but mankind has turned things upside down. Is that where we are today, ladies and gentlemen? Can I get a hearty amen? It's factually, isn't it? We're turning things upside down. Now watch this. Here it is. Watch this. And this turning things of upside down, Isaiah says, shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Now, that's the metaphor Jeremiah talked about in Jeremiah chapter 17, when God said, go down to the potter's house. Let me show you how I, how I work. I'm sovereign. You're the clay. I'm the potter. You don't tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. You don't tell me how to make you. I tell you how I made you. That's what Jeremiah says. Now, for everybody that actually believes the Bible, and most people don't, even professing Christians don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in this kind of God, sovereign God who runs the universe, who made us all, who declared from the beginning the end and from the end the beginning so that we might know his word, ways, work, and will. Many Christians today are very much like the Jews in Jesus' day. They pretended to believe in the true and the living God, but what they really worshiped was a limited God. A small God, a made-up God, made up in their own image. That's called a lie, folks. Whatever conceptions, whatever ideological frameworks, whatever whatever concepts, whatever worldviews we hold that do not correspond to the truth, it's a what? It's a lie. Now watch this now. Watch this. It shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say to him that made it? Here it is. He didn't make me. Now, is that not the vast majority of our world? God didn't make me. In fact, God doesn't even exist. That's the first uh, what we call gainsaying argument that's being made by the average individual today. God didn't make me. But here's the other question. Here's the other ref, uh, refutation on the part of the pagan. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not. Or shall the thing formed say of him that framed it, he has no understanding. God didn't know what he was doing or saying when he said, and God made them male and female and the image of God created he them. Male and female created he him. That that Bible text right there becomes the crux and nexus of the debate. See, if I say that I am a man, when in fact I'm a woman, I am saying God's a lie. doesn't know what he's talking about. If I say that I am <clears throat> I'm Caucasian, six foot three and, and 16 years old. I'm lying again. This is where we're going to go in our article to show you that if you don't hold to the truth, truth at the core principle of revelation, you give an inch to a lie and that lie is going to grow and become a massive whale that's going to be uncontrollable. And that's where we are in our culture today. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm not going I'm not going to take any phone calls until after I, I I share with you some articles and lay a little bit more of the foundation because I want you to think with me today. I want you to think weak minded, unbiblical thinking Christians give up way too much ground because they don't think. Now, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, there's that's because there's no light in them. And according to Psalm 1, verse 1, multiple blessings be upon the man, multiple blessings be upon the man that does not walk. In fact, 
the Hebrew verb there is almost in the infinitive, who, who will never walk in the counsel of the ungodly, who will never stand in the way of sinners, who will never sit in the seat of the scorner, who has never walked, who has never stood, who has never sat in the seat of the scorner, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be rooted like a tree by the rivers of water. Now that's what every believer is called to be, rooted and grounded in the truth, in order to deal with the winds and storms that come every day and not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes into the church with some newfangled idea, which is never new. When you read your Bible, you know it's not new. If they come to you with it new, just go. The Bible's already exposed that, revealed that, condemned that, shut it down. So when I come back, I'm going to read some articles around the growing issue of self uh, gender identity assignments and how our schools are promoting this with our kids. And I really wouldn't be dealing with this if I didn't know. And I do know that you will have to deal with this if you're raising kids in this millennial age. You're going to have to deal with it. The gender identity issue is prominent in Britain of which country has always been a precursor to America following their trend. Eventually, where godlessness prevails there, it will prevail here. Don't you go anywhere. You better stay right here, especially if you don't know the issue. And be ready to learn how to give an answer to every man that's asking you why you believe your Bible is, in fact, the veritable, unchangeable word of the living God authoritative in its proclamation. It's it's the word of God is the truth that you and I need infallible, inerrant, unalterable forever settled in heaven. This is Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Two lines open, one 367 but you're going to be hanging out because I need to talk a little bit longer on the topic and then we can open up the phone lines. I'll be right back. Got to pay some bills. So we're back. Um, let me read an article to you, and it's very good. It's a very good article relative to where, where I am going, want to teach tonight, and uh, I hope you're willing to learn because you will have to deal with the politically correct, um, government-enforced, uh, law-backed uh, culture that will pretend that it is so offended by you simply calling somebody for what they really are versus what they want to be. Uh, there are already court cases going on because of it. There are very prominent persons and uh, positions of power that are already dealing with it on a political, governmental level, particularly in Canada. Jordan Peterson is a, a professor of uh, philosophy and other things that has uh, been uh, sort of in the middle of this firestorm for quite some time now, talking about the irrationality of a government imposing upon people the necessity of affirming someone's uh, so-called gender when in fact there is absolutely no grounds for us having to capitulate for that on any level. He did an excellent job as he stood before the Senate or the Congress in Canada and let them know why he would not be yielding to their forced law that he should say this. And I know this personally, knowing young teachers, my daughter being one of them, that the schools are presently uh, trying to force this issue on you and you can be reprimanded and you can actually end up losing your job 
if in fact you don't comply with them and call them what they want to. Uh, and, and the idiocy of the uh, argument on the part of those who are pro-multiple multi- gendered identity uh, um, spectrumed uh, would assert that if we don't uh, affirm them in what they're saying, that somehow we are bullying or um, it's an act of violence. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the opposite would be the case. But I want you to hear an article. It's going to take a little while. I just want you to hear it. It's called Transgender Ideology is Riddled with Contradictions. Now, the guy uses the term transgender, but it is part of the larger spectrum of gender identity issues. And I stated it earlier. There are over 72 gender identity titles uh, presently working, presently affirmed by the American Psychological Association, which I'm going to quote a little bit later on, presently affirmed by your larger uh, social institutions that basically want to operate out of this kind of postmodern ideological construct opposing and denying um, our historic modern view of uh, of truth predicated upon sound logical reasons, at least on an empirical level. So here's what he says, and I want you to hear this. If you got a pen and paper, you want to write some notes. Uh, this particular article, I'll have to see if I can find the, the person who wrote this because I definitely want you to have it if you need it. Let me see. Is it here? Let me see here. Just want to make sure that you get the title, the the author of it. Pen, wrote it down, had to reconstruct this because of all of the other kind of news uh, language that was running around it. I will, I will make sure that I get it to you before we are done, uh, the Lord willing. But transgender ideology is riddled with contradictions. You and I be, need to be able to know when you're hearing people talk, when you can hear the inherent contradiction or the overt contradictions of what they're saying, you need to know how to hear them in order to answer them uh, accurately. Here are the big ones, he says. People say that we live in a postmodern age that has rejected metaphysics, that is spiritual dimensions. What you and I believe as believers is really classified metaphysical when we talk about spiritual things. But the author says that's not quite true. We live in a postmodern age that promotes alternative metaphysics. I like that. He, he, he says that people want to deny the biblical worldview of multiple realities. That is to say, the present world and the world to come. That is to say, the seen and the unseen. But people actually want to create alternative metaphysics. And he says, as I explained, when Harry became Sally. He calls that an alternative metaphysics. I agree. At the heart of the transgender moment, um, uh, yeah, transgender uh, movement are radical ideas about human persons in particular that people are, here it is, what they claim to be regardless of contrary evidence. That's the first contradictory issue. People are what they claim to be regardless of contrary evidence. A transgender boy is a boy. Not merely a girl who identifies as a boy. Do you believe that logic? A transgender boy is not merely a, a transgender boy is a boy, not merely a girl who identifies as a boy. See, he's, he's actually using the fundamental language. If you are a transgender, it means you have moved from one thing to another. It's understandable, he says, why activists make these claims. An argument about transgender identifies uh, identities will be much more persuasive if it concerns who someone is, 
not merely how someone identifies. He says, if you really want to uh, be persuasive, you want to deal with who someone is, not merely how someone identifies. And that's really where we're going. It's all about how someone identifies. And so the rhetoric of the transgender movement drips with ontological assertions. For those of you who go to public schools, ontological really is the word for what you really are in your essence. What we are in our essence, our ontological being, like God ontologically is spirit. God ontologically is immutable, unchangeable. God ontologically is in his aseity, independent, self-sufficient, and completely separated from everything that he made. That's ontology. So he says, at the ultimate uh, uh, argument about transgender identities would be much more persuasive if it concerns who someone is, not merely how someone identifies. And so the rhetoric of the transgender moment drips with ontological assertions. People are, watch this, the gender they prefer to be, that's the claim. Who are you? I'm what I prefer to be. Transgender activists don't admit that this is a metaphysical claim. But it is. They don't want to have to debate on the level of philosophy. So they dress it up as a scientific medical claim. And they co-opted many professional associations for their cause. Y'all see what he just said? They, they want to make it medical and scientific when, in fact, it's not. Thus, the American Psychological Association, in a pamphlet titled Answers to Your Questions About Transgender People, Gender Identity, and Gender Expression, tells us, here it is, quote, Transgender is an umbrella term for persons whose gender identity, gender expression, or behavior does not conform to that typically associated with the sex to which they were assigned at birth. That is the official statement of the um, APA. Now, you you must mark the last part. Transgenders is an umbrella statement. That refers to gender expression or behavior that does not conform to that typically associated with the sex to which they were assigned at birth. So the battle is between what you were assigned at birth and what you feel you are when you come into a conscious uh, awareness of what you think you are other than what you were assigned at birth. Now, notice what the author says. Notice the politicized language. A person's sex is assigned at birth. He puts that in quotes. Back in 2005, even the human rights campaign referred instead to birth sex and physical sex. It used to be, this is what his his sex was at birth. This is what his sex is physically. The phrase sex assigned at birth is now favored because it makes room for gender identity as the real basis of a person's sex. In other words, you could, the doctor could totally miss Define your sex by using the biological, chromosomal, uh, empirical uh, evidences that constitutes your makeup as a human being. He, he, he gets it wrong because of what he sees. Because until the child is able to say for himself what he actually identifies as, we are in danger of merely assigning something at birth that is freely to be removed when it, it is possible. In an expert declaration to a federal district court in North Carolina concerning AB2, Dr. Dima Atkins stated, from a medical perspective, the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity. Whoa. 
from a medical perspective, the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity. You know what she just said? You can't know until that person is old enough to actually give you an uh, accurate assessment. Now, Atkins is a professor at Duke University School of Medicine and the director of Duke Center for Child and Adolescent Gender Care, which opened in 2015. Now, they have opened up a department in your highest uh, uh, schools of learning for uh, children and adolescent gender care. Atkins argues that gender identity is not only the preferred basis for determining sex, but the only medically supported determinant of sex. Every other method is bad science, she claims. It's counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as male or female. Whoa! Did you get that? You better get it because she just said throw out all of the empirical, hard, factual evidence that's been around from the beginning of time of which all societies from the beginning of the world have used and has been the social construct for coherent identification of males and females from the beginning of time. She says throw it all out. It's all wrong. Do you see the battle you're fighting? And they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. Now we are ready for the inherent contradictions that are explicit in our article, but I've got to take a break. When I come back, I will share them with you. Don't you go anywhere. You need to learn this because you're going to have a grandchild or a daughter or a son or a niece or a nephew or, God forbid, a husband or wife that's going to come home one day and say, hey, I actually have discovered that my gender identity is that of something other than you and I have been operating in for the last 20, 30, 40 years. And God will send a strong delusion that they should believe a lie because they all did not have a love for the truth. That's where we are right now. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time 547. Let me continue with the fundamental deconstruction of the internal contradiction of this whole issue of uh, gender uh, gender identity uh, spectrums that is taking place in our culture. The, um, the, The writer of the article goes on to say this is a remarkable claim that this. Um, The uh, psychiatrist has stated that, and let me repeat what was stated. Dr. Atkins argues that gender identity is not only the preferred basis for determining sex, but the only medically supported determinant of sex. Every other method is bad science, she claims. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override, watch this, gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as male or female. See, she's turned the thing all the way upside down. And no one will be able to uh, tell me otherwise. I don't care who you are. From the beginning of time up to this very moment, we have identified a person's gender inconsistency with their biological sex. And we have been right with the small exceptions of the small category of people who are called hermaphrodites, few other technical terms. And even there, we can actually determine the gender beyond the external sexual uh, uh, genitalia, which just did not take on full formation. We can do it. 
It's just a matter of whether or not we're going to be brave enough to uh, to uh, stand the winds of opposition to biblical truth. In the beginning, he created them, male and female, created he him in the image of God, created he them. Now, listen to the author's response. He says, this is a remarkable claim, <clears throat> not least because the argument recently was that gender is only a social construct while sex is a biological reality. It used to be the argument was that gender was a social construct. This is when the advocates of this alternative metaphysical world uh, weren't quite ready to be armed with more uh, oppositional data against people who hold to a modern worldview. But now that they have built their arsenal up and they've gotten all kind of institutions behind them, now they want to say the opposite. Now they want to say, as the activists claim, that gender identity is destiny. It's almost immutable, almost unchangeable, while biological sex is the social construct. Do you guys get that? In other words, as the Miss Atkinson had stated, do not use chromosomal, do not use biological, do not use physiological, do not use external uh, uh, genitalia. Don't, don't use all of those to define that person's gender. You see how they contradict themselves and they modify when it's convenient? Atkins doesn't say if she would apply this rule in all mammalian species. Listen to what the author is saying. If you're going to take human beings and make them define their gender according to how they feel, how's that going to work with animals? How's it going to work with cats and dogs and, 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 and whales and, and other warm-blooded mammals that, that are clearly operating as well out of the binary fixed gender distinction of male and female? How's that going to work? No, well, it's not. But why should sex be determined differently in human beings than in animals? His logic is, is coherent. If a medical science, if, and if medical science holds that gender identity determines sex in humans, what does this mean for the use of medical agents that have different effects on males and females? Does the proper dosage of medicine depend on the patient's sex or the patient's gender identity? Whoa. Do you see the problem we're creating? Whenever we get away from truth, we enter into a world of cloudy confusion, and now we're dealing with incoherent, inconsistent, what we call unintended consequences. So if you are identifying as a female, are you going to be needing female drugs and female help in the area of your, your gender when, in fact, you are biologically and physically a male? Hmm. But what exactly is this gender identity? That's a good question, isn't it? That is supposed to be the true medical determinant of sex. Atkins defines it as a person's inner sense of belonging to a particular gender. Now, there is the real nexus of the battle. It really is about what people feel. Atkins defines it as a person's inner sense of belonging to a particular gender, such as male or female. Well, that's is way broader than that today, Miss Atkins. It's way broader than male and female. Used to be male or female. Used to be uh, the the transgender community is going from male to female or female to male. But no, it's the spectrum. As I stated, is over seventy five categories now, and growing. Note that little phrase such as implying that the options are not necessarily limited to male or female. That's what I just stated. 
Other activists are more forthcoming in admitting that gender identity need not be restricted to the binary choice of male or female, but can include both and other. The American Psychological Association, for example, defines gender identity as a person's internal sense of being male, female, or something else. You see how it's growing? Atkins asserts that being transgender is not a mental disorder. It used to be defined that way until all of the powers that be pushed APA to change the language. Atkins asserts that being transgender is not a mental disorder, but simply a normal developmental variation. And she claims further that medical and mental health professionals who specialize in the treatment of gender dysphoria are in agreement with this view. So what? You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Transgender catechism. He goes on to quote, these notions about sex and gender are now being taught to young children. That's the reason why I'm talking about it today. Activists have created child-friendly graphics for the purpose of such as the gender-bred person. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Look it up. You'll see it. The gender-bred person. The gender-bred person teaches that when it comes to sexuality and gender, people have five different characteristics, each of them falling along a spectrum. There's gender identity, which is how you, in your head, define your gender based on how much you align or don't align with what you understand to be the options for gender. The graphics list four of infinite four of infinite possibilities for gender identity. Womanness, manness, two spirit, or gender queer. Now I'm not gonna define that because you can go do it on your own. This show won't have time for all that. The second characteristic is gender expression which is the way you present gender through your actions, dress, demeanor. In addition to feminine or masculine, the options are butch, femi, androgynous, or a general or gender neutral. Kind of your by all. Third is your biological sex defined as the physical sex characteristics you're born with and develop, including genitalia, body shape, voice pitch, body hair, hormones, chromosomes, etc., The final two characteristics concern sexual orientation, sexually attracted to and romantically attracted to. The options include women, females, femininity, and men, males, and masculinity, which seems rather binary. I got where he's going with that. The gender-bred person tries to localize these five characteristics on the body. If you ever saw an image of it, gender identity in the brain, sexual romantic attraction in the heart, biological sex in the pelvis and gender expression everywhere. It's an amazing sight to see, to be honest. The gender person espouses the latest iterations of transgender ideology. The gender bred person presented here in version 3.3, incorporating adjustments made in response to criticism of earlier versions. But even this one violates current dogma. Some activists have complained that gender bred person looks overly male. (laughs) So they now move from a gender bred person to now this kind of weird, strange thing he's about to tell you. A more serious fault in the eyes of many activists is the use of the term biological sex. Time magazine drew criticism for the same transgression in 2014 after publishing a profile of Laverne Cox, the first out trans person person to be featured on the cover. 
at least the folks at time got credit for trying to be uh, good allies, explaining what many see as a complicated issue, wrote May Rood in an article titled, It's Time for People to Stop Using the Social Construct of Biological Sex to Defend Their Transmisogyny. Whoa! Whoa. So after thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years of a coherent expression of the binary gender specificity on planet Earth, everywhere, now all of a sudden it's time to stop because we are offending transgenders. It's hard to keep up with the transgender movement, but time was judged guilty of using a simplistic and outdated understanding of biology, Time Magazine, that's what he's talking about. Uh, Time Magazine was judged guilty of using a simplistic and outdated understanding of biology to perpetuate some very dangerous ideas about trans women and failing to acknowledge that biological sex isn't something we're actually born with. Here it is. Biological sex isn't something we're actually born with. It's something that doctors or our parents assign us at birth. See how far we've gone away? See it? See it? When God destroyed the world in the days of Noah, guess what Noah was called to do? Take two of every kind, male and female, and bring them into the ark in order to reproduce after the flood. Did the animals get it wrong? No. And you know what they did? In order, in humility, submission to God, walk right into the ark and say, okay, we're willing to work with God and start this all over. But it might be down the line we find out that we're wrong. He goes on to say, today, transgender allies in good standing don't use the gender bred person in their classroom, but opt for what is called the gender unicorn. Y'all know what that is? The unicorn? If we're not dealing with new age uh, ideology and, and metaphysics, I don't know what we're dealing with, which was created by trans student educational resources. It has a body shape that doesn't appear either male or female. And instead of biological sex, it has a sex assigned at birth. These are the significant changes to the genderbred person, and they were made so new, so new, so that the new graphic would more accurately portray the distinction between gender, sex assigned at birth, and sexuality. According to Trans Student Educational Resources, biological sex is an ambiguous word that has no skill and no meaning besides that it is related to some sex characteristics. It is also harmful to uh, trans people. Instead, we prefer sex assigned at birth, which provides a more accurate description of what biological sex may be trying to communicate. See it? This is the battle. What's going on? So the gender unicorn is the graphic that children are likely to encounter in school. These are the dogmas that are likely to be catechized to profess. He goes on at length dealing with that, and I don't actually want to continue working with that. I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, I'm going to read the other three fundamental problems with it, and then I'll take your phone calls if you want to hang out. Looking forward to talking with you on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.